Hello again, Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I'd like to share with you today a book that I just got and uh, just finished reading. It's by Randy Alcorn. It's called If God is Good. And uh, Alcorn, I got to admit, I know he's been around a while, but this is the first book of his that I've read and I really enjoyed it. I guess enjoyed is the right word. It's about suffering and the relationship of Christianity with suffering. Alcorn is the founder and director of Eternal Perspective Ministries, and I guess he's a best-selling author. I've heard the name before. He's got over, I think, 25 books, and one called Heaven I've heard of quite a bit. I'm going to have to get hold of that and read that. Um, Publishers Weekly says this about his book, If God is Good. As he did in his best-selling book, Heaven, Randy Alcorn delves deeply into a profound subject and through compelling stories, provocative questions and answers, and keen biblical understanding, he brings assurance and hope to all. And I would say amen to that. I think uh, two things stand out to me. One is compelling stories. That's exactly right. He's got some of the most amazing stories. I marked off some of them. I'm going to talk them over with my wife and some friends, just amazing things that people have gone through. And then it says keen biblical understanding. I would say that's true as well. He's got a list at the back there of how many verses that he quotes during this book. And it, I'll tell you, first of all, it's small print. But it's one page, two page, three, four, five, six, seven pages. Seven pages of small print. Everything from Genesis to Revelation. So this will build up your uh, biblical knowledge really well as you go through it. But um, I'm preparing a talk on uh, the problem of pain and evil and suffering, so I want to make sure to read this book, and I'm so glad I did. It has just an amazing amount of information in it. Just to give you kind of an idea of the structure of it, he starts off talking about just understanding the problem of evil and suffering. Then he gets into its origins, the nature of it, and the consequences of it. Then he gets into a section called Problems for Non-Theists, Moral Standards. I think that's really a good point. How, how can an um, atheist, for example, talk about evil and criticize Christians and the idea of God with evil all around? Well, they can't really use the, the idea of evil. They can't use that concept. It doesn't fit in an atheistic worldview. So anyway, that's a really good section, too. That's section three of the book. And then uh, proposed solutions to the problem of evil. In other words, what have others said, non-Christians? Well, what they've had to do is to limit some of God's attributes, like maybe God isn't all loving, maybe God isn't all good, maybe God doesn't have enough power. And so he talks about these alternate uh, ways of understanding evil and suffering. He moves then to evil and suffering in the work of Christ, then into divine sovereignty and meaningful human choice, accounting for evil and suffering, that free will argument that I hear often used. He even has a section on heaven and hell as far as dealing with the problem of evil. Um, Why doesn't God restrain more evil? He's got a section on that. How evil and suffering is used for God's glory. And then living meaningfully while suffering is the the final section here. So it's just an incredible book, so rich. It's over uh, 500 pages. So it gives you a lot to deal with. I I know this is the kind of book that I'm going to be dipping into and and uh, finding things for for years with this. Let me take just chapter one. That's what I'd like to look at today. Chapter one, why is the problem of evil and suffering so important? And he said, it doesn't take long. 
for the problem of evil to move from the philosophical, just something where you sit around and talk with friends and you're, everything's fine, but it doesn't take long for it to go from the philosophical to the personal. It's just a matter of, of, of minutes. Now he gives an example of Greg Laurie, the evangelist, Harvest Crusade guy. His 33-year-old son died in a car crash. And here's what Greg Laurie had to say. I've talked about heaven my whole life. And I've given many messages on life after death. I've counseled many people who have lost a loved one. And I thought I knew a little bit about it. But I have to say that when it happens to you, it's a whole new world. He's told the people he was talking to that was the hardest day of his life when his son died. So all of a sudden, his world came crashing down. Uh, he mentions, for example, the American response to the terrorist attacks when that happened on September 11th. You know, up till then, we would read in our paper about Sudan, people dying, and Asian tsunamis, and malaria that uh, kills people all the time. But all of a sudden, in one day, bam, that was in our face, almost 3,000 people dying. And yet that was a small death toll when you compare it to, uh, well, for example, he, he mentions the Rwandan genocide in 1994. He said that was the equivalent of two World Trade Center disasters every day for 100 days straight. So we finally got it slapped in our face, but people around the world have been struggling uh, for centuries with this. He said, if we open our eyes, if we just look around, we're going to see the problem of evil and suffering, even when it doesn't touch us directly. And uh, he mentioned some of his stories where he has uh, had to deal with pain and suffering, even if it wasn't him. For example, he had to tell his own mother that her only brother had been murdered. Uh, what would what would that be like? I can't even imagine. He has a little section in here in the first chapter about uh, why why should we talk about the problem? Well, he mentions a Barna poll that said, if you could ask God only one question and you knew that he'd give you an answer, what would you ask? Well, is anybody surprised? The most common response, according to Alcorn, is why is there pain and suffering in the world? Richard Swinburne, he quotes, says that the problem of evil is the most powerful objection to traditional theism. And uh, in fact, one German playwright, he quotes back in the 1800s, said the problem of evil is the rock of atheism. Atheists will constantly take that issue and beat Christians around the head and shoulders about it. He says every day this ancient argument gets raised all over the place. It says atheists write page after page about evil and suffering. Uh, Sam Harris said, atheism is not a philosophy, it's not even a view of the world, it's simply an admission of the obvious. So he says it's that obvious. He uses an example here of uh, Britain's Antony Flew. He was a, a champion of atheism, and he had some debates with uh, Gary Habermas and others, and he finally was won over to the idea that there must be some kind of intelligent being, some kind of God who created everything because there's so much evidence for this world being created, for design in this world, the complexity of the universe. So he gave up his atheism, but... He, sa he said um, he didn't convert to Christian Christianity, he converted to deism. Why deism? Here it is. Flew could not get past the problem of evil. So he, the way he could work it out is there was a God, he created the universe, and then he walked away. So now the, the trouble and the pain and the suffering can happen, but there's still that complexity and design in the universe. 
Alcorn then has a section here. He says, a faith that leads, uh, leaves us unprepared for suffering is a false faith that deserves to be lost. Uh, he quotes John Piper, says, wimpy worldviews make wimpy Christians, and wimpy Christians won't survive the days ahead. So it's one thing to think that there is a God, but something else to trust that God. I think that makes a lot of sense. He said, if, if you if you base your faith on having a nice, sweet life and, and things are not happening badly to you, well, then you believe in a God. He said, well, that's great. But he said, your faith lives on the brink of extinction. And he said, you, you get some pain and suffering in your life, and that faith will fall apart. He says, token faith will not survive suffering, nor should it. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I fear for myself in this area that uh, I've had a very uh, easy life compared to so many people, and, and I'm hoping my faith would stay with it. I'm hoping I would have enough trust in God to get through things like this. He also talks about suffering will come. <laughs> suffering will come. It's not may or could. He says we owe it to God and to ourselves and others around us to prepare for it. He gives an example of Bethany Hamilton, soul surfer uh, fame. Uh, she was uh, attacked by a shark and severed one of her arms, and she came back later and won a title. She said, it was Jesus Christ who gave me peace when I got attacked. It was what God had taught me growing up that helped me overcome my fears. So notice that. It was what God had taught her growing up. So she was connected to God long before the episode happened, and that's what got her through this. Alcorn also says it's really unfortunate. He thinks most evangelical churches really don't teach people to think biblically about the realities of pain and suffering. In fact, he says he talked to a pastor's daughter once who told him, I was never taught the Christian life was going to be difficult. I've discovered it is, and I wasn't ready. Another woman said to him, I was surprised when it happened. She was uh, dealing with cancer. It was hard, and it hurt, and I was sad, and I couldn't find anything good or redeeming. I never expected a Christian who had access to God could feel so empty and alone. So we're not really being prepared for harsh realities. And of course, then he says, uh, as a good point here, bringing up apologetics, that it leaves our kids vulnerable. They get off and go into college or maybe even high school, and somebody brings up the problem of evil and suffering, denying the Christian worldview. So it seems like Christian parents better raise it first and churches and start taking people to the Bible and to see what God says about it. Uh, so he says, the problem is, most of us don't think about evil and suffering until we're in the middle of it. And of course, that forces us to try to come up with some kind of perspective while we're fighting whatever it is, and our thinking is muddled at that time. He said, we're exhausted. And he says, it's far better to think through suffering in advance. I've heard that from so many sources. I think that's uh, exactly right. He says, uh, I think this is a really powerful thing. He says there's a pastor, James Montgomery Boyce. And I do remember that name. I've read some of his uh, material in some magazines in the past. In May 2000, he stood in front of his church. He's a pastor. And he explained that he had been diagnosed with liver cancer. And of course, that was a, a kiss of death at that time. Here's what he said to the congregation, at least part of the message. Should you pray for a miracle? Well, you're free to do that, of course. My general impression is that the God who's able to do miracles, and he certainly can, is also able to keep you from getting the problem in the first place. So although miracles do happen, they're rare by definition. Above all, and I really like this part here, Boyce says to the congregation, 
Above all, I would say pray for the glory of God. If you think of God glorifying himself in history, and you say, well, where in history did God most glorify himself? He did it at the cross of Jesus Christ, and it wasn't by delivering Jesus from the cross, though he could have. Boyce goes on in his message, God is in charge. When things like this come into our lives, they're not accidental. It's not as if God somehow forgot what was going on and something bad slipped by. God is not the is not only the one who's in charge, God is also good. Everything he does is good. If God does something in your life, would you change it? If you'd change it, you'd make it worse. It wouldn't be as good. After that sermon, within two months, he died. And then uh, Alcorn says, Boyce departed this world to, then he has a quote from Philippians, he departed this world to be with Christ, which is better by far. And then he ends the chapter, this is still just chapter one, Alcorn says that on the other side of death, the Bible promises all that know him are going to fall into the open arms of a holy, loving, and gracious God. He said that's the greatest miracle, that's the answer to the problem of evil and suffering. He promises an eternal kingdom on the new earth, where he says of those who come to trust him in this present world of evil and suffering, this is a quote from Revelation. Here's what God says. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. What a great way to end the chapter. Again, this is a, the book by Randy Alcorn called If God is Good. Subtitle, Faith in the Midst of Suffering and Evil. I would strongly recommend it. I know I've got a lot of work to prepare myself for those hard times that are going to come. And I think we all do. Uh, thanks for listening, and let's do another podcast soon.